Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, before we get into it today, I just want to remind you that my next book, Friday Barnes Last Chance, that's the 11th one in the series, is going on sale on the 31st of January. So uh, you'll be able to buy that. And it's pretty awesome. It's the one set in Paris and features the Mona Lisa. And there's some really cool ideas all crammed into that book. I'm very proud of it. Also, if you're in Melbourne, you can come along to the official book launch. It's on the 28th. So this coming Saturday, uh, there's a 12 o'clock show in 3pm show. The 12 o'clock show is sold out now, but there are still plenty of tickets in the 3pm show if you want to come along to the State Library of Victoria in Melbourne to officially launch this book. Okay. And uh, rest assured, the rest of Australia, there are lots of things coming up. I have just booked a theatre um, in Sydney, it's I'm very excited about this. It's the Australian Theatre for Young People. They've got a theatre called The Rebel, named after Rebel Wilson. And I'm going to be launching my next book there, which is the book about Hamlet. Hamlet is not okay. And so that is going to be coming out in June. So there are going to be lots of events coming out through the year in different cities around Australia where I'll be getting out and meeting you all. Okay, but that's not why you're here. You're here to hear, <laughs> you're here to listen to a story. So this week I'm doing well, I'm doing Pinocchio, but it's my version of Pinocchio. A few people have requested this because there's a movie coming out around now. So um, I'm doing my version of Pinocchio, and it's called Bramwellio, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Nanny Piggins, do you know the story of Pinocchio? asked Derek. We're going to see a movie about it at school next week. Why, yes, I do know all about that story, said Nanny Piggins. In fact, one of my distant relations was there, which is how I know that the movie version is an outrageous pack of fabrications. Fabrications means lies, right? Michael whispered to Samantha. She just nodded. And let me guess, said Derek, your distant relative was perhaps called Pinocchio Piggins, and she was really a woman. No, not at all. My distant relative was called Geppetto Piggins, and she was a brilliantly talented clockmaker, interrupted Derek. No, I said she was brilliantly talented. So, of course, she was a chocolate maker. Unfortunately, she was so talented at chocolate making, no one ever bought her chocolate. Why? asked Samantha. Surely if she was that good, everyone would want some. Oh, they wanted it all right, said Nanny Piggins, but they couldn't afford it. Geppetto's chocolate creations were so magnificent, intricate and delicious, they took months to construct. And she only used the finest chocolate ingredients flown in from all around the world. As a result, to buy one of her creations was more than anyone could afford. What? said Derek. How much did they cost? Thousands of dollars. Oh, no, more than that, said Nanny Piggins. They were priceless. You mean millions of dollars, asked Samantha. Oh, no, I mean literally priceless, said Nanny Piggins. The chocolate sculptures were so beautiful that Geppetto couldn't bring herself to put a price on them, so she never sold any. 
People tried to buy them. They offered to mortgage their houses and sell all their possessions, but she couldn't bring herself to make a family destitute. And yet she couldn't bring herself to part with one of her chocolate artworks for anything less than an unimaginably massive fortune. So her chocolate models of the Taj Mahal, Notre Dame Cathedral and Mount Everest remained unsold. Scale models, corrected Derek. What, said Nanny Piggins? They must have been scale models, said Derek. Miniatures of the real thing. Whatever made you assume that? asked Nanny Piggins. Geppetto was a Piggins. She didn't do things by half measures. Certainly not when there was chocolate involved. This confused the children as they tried to imagine what a life-size chocolate replica of Mount Everest would look like. Being a brilliant yet penniless artist is not, however, as glamorous in real life as they make it seem in all the prospectuses for art schools, continued Nanny Piggins. Geppetto didn't mind the pennilessness so much. She did, after all, have a massive supply of chocolate, so it's not like she went hungry. But she was very lonely. It's hard to make friends when you're better at something than everyone else in the entire world. Well, why didn't she get married, asked Samantha. Well, she had been married when she was younger, said Nanny Piggins. Geppetto Piggins and her husband were very much in love. But sadly, one day when she was out buying chocolate-making supplies, her husband couldn't resist one of her chocolate creations. He ate an entire life-sized milk chocolate replica of the Eiffel Tower. When she got home, he had slipped into a diabetic coma. That's terrible, said Samantha. Yes, terrible for poor Geppetto, said Nanny Piggins, but not too bad for the husband. If you are going to slip into a coma, eating several thousand tons of chocolate is a fun way to do it. Anyway, as a result, Geppetto lived alone, and she was lonely. She longed for a child to love and to keep her company. So one day, after many hours building a replica of New York's Guggenheim Museum out of white chocolate, she started making a statue of a young boy. Being the most brilliant chocolate artist in the world, the statue was, of course, beautiful and lifelike. Geppetto found herself talking to the statue as she made it. She told the statue of the boy how lonely she was and how she wished she could show him the world and share the wonder of life with him. But the statue just stared back at her blankly. Geppetto sighed and looked out the window, and at that very moment, a shooting star flew across the sky. Did she make a wish on the shooting star, asked Michael. She did, said Nanny Piggins. She was so lonely, she had started talking to all sorts of inanimate things. The statue, the tea kettle, the bath plug. So it was only natural for her to call out to the star as well. Shooting star, she said. How I wish I had a little boy of my own to keep me company. But the star did not reply. It just kept shooting until it had disappeared into the darkness of space. Geppetto sighed again, shut the window and went to bed. But when she awoke early the next morning to begin work on her next creation, a chocolate model of the Grand Canyon, Geppetto heard strange sounds coming from her workshop. Someone was singing a song she had never heard before. Chomp, 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 yum, yum, yummy, I love chocolate in my tummy. Geppetto hurried out to her workshop, and there she saw the most amazing thing. The statue of the little boy was dancing. But how can a chocolate statue dance, asked Michael. Never underestimate the power of chocolate, my dear boy, said Nanny Piggins. With enough chocolate, you can achieve anything. But the dancing was not the most astonishing thing, nor the singing. The chocolate statue was also eating. Not eating itself, asked Samantha. No, not at all, said Nanny Piggins. The chocolate statue was eating a great chunk of chocolate. It had broken off her chocolate model of the Great Wall of China. A chocolate statue was eating another chocolate sculpture, asked Derek. So it had a digestive system? Yes, said Nanny Piggins. 
My relative Geppetto was a seriously talented craftswoman. She was a bit baffled by the situation. She was concerned she might still be asleep and dreaming the whole thing, so she rubbed her eyes and gave herself a good hard pinch. But the chocolate-eating chocolate statue was still there, so she called out to it. You there, boy, called Geppetto Piggins. What's going on? Mother, cried the statue. Good morning to you. You don't mind me helping myself to a little breakfast, do you? It had taken Geppetto two years to craft the chocolate model of the Great Wall of China. It was so big it was actually visible from space, so she did mind a little bit, but she didn't like to say so. She was a kind-hearted pig, and she loved children. Oh no, that's all right, said Geppetto, but how did you come to life? Your wish was granted when you wished upon that star, said the statue, and my name is... Pinocchio, cried Michael. Actually, no, said Nanny Piggins. That's another thing the movie gets wrong. The statue's name was Bramwellio. Bramwellio, said Derek. You mean like Bramwell? Bramwell Piggins, your no good brother? asked Samantha. I'm afraid so, said Nanny Piggins. But Geppetto was so delighted to have a son of her own, it didn't occur to her that Bramwellio might be as useless and good for nothing as all the other Bramwells in our family. She gave the boy a big but careful hug. She didn't want to accidentally break off his chocolate limbs and promised to raise him with love and care, completely ignoring the fact that Bramwellia was still dancing around her workshop, eating bits off all her greatest masterpieces. Geppetto wanted Bramwellia to have every opportunity of a regular boy, so the first thing she did was enrol him in school. But being penniless, she didn't have enough money to buy school books, so she sold her own warm winter coat and used that money to buy the books. That sounds like a really bad decision, said Michael. Selling your coat never works out well in the olden story days. Yes, it always is a sure sign of doom, agreed Nanny Piggins. Really, the government should have outlawed second-hand clothes shops to put a stop to it. But you can't escape storyline destiny. So Geppetto sold the coat and bought the school books, then took them home to Bramwellio. What's this, asked Bramwellio, when Geppetto gave him the package. A present? For me? Is it chocolate? No, chuckled Geppetto. Open the package and see for yourself. Bramwellio tore off the packaging. Books, he exclaimed. Are they made of chocolate? No, said Geppetto. Then how do I eat them? asked Bramwellio. You don't explain, Geppetto. You read them. That's how you learn. You need these so you can go to school and learn all about maths and literature and history. Oh, said Bramwellio, mentally deciding to lick the books as soon as Geppetto left the room, just in case they were secretly delicious. You'll start school tomorrow morning, explained Geppetto. Oh, I see, said Bramwellio. How marvellous! But as Bramwellio said this, he got the strangest sensation in his nose. Whoop! As if someone had pinched it and tugged it. Something must have happened because Geppetto balked at the sight. Did something just happen to my nose? asked Bramwellio. Well, said Geppetto, not wanting to hurt the boy's feelings, but also wanting to be truthful, it did seem to grow a bit. Oh, it grew because he told a lie, didn't it, said Michael. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, but they hadn't figured that out yet. The next morning, Bramwellio set out for school with his new school books, while Geppetto stayed back to work on a chocolate sculpture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now this is where things begin to go awry, said Nanny Piggins. You see, Bramwellio did not have a very good attention span. Even though he was quite looking forward to going to school and playing with all the other boys and girls, he soon became distracted when he walked past a circus. Through the gates he could see the brightly coloured big top, he could hear the circus music, and he could smell the freshly cooked popcorn. So many things impossible for any child to resist. 
So naturally, he hurled his school books into a bush and ran inside to see the circus. Bramwilio had a fabulous time watching the tightrope walkers, the elephants, and the tightrope walking elephants. But the thing that really delighted him was when the puppet show commenced. A long line of brightly coloured wooden puppets took to the stage and started dancing around, controlled by strings used by puppeteers standing above. Bramwellio thought the puppets were marvellous. They looked just like him. They were handcrafted statues of about the same size. Bramwellio got so carried away, he jumped up on the stage and started dancing with them. Ho, 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 rum-tum-tum, dancing with puppets is lots of fun. He sang along to the music. Meanwhile, on the far side of the circus tent, the ringmaster saw the whole thing. (gasps) The ringmaster, exclaimed Michael, not the ringmaster, the one who kidnapped Boris and tricked you into signing a criminally insane 50-year binding contract. No, of course not, said Nanny Piggins. This was years ago, back in the olden story days. This was one of our ringmaster's distant ringmastering relatives. Anyway, the crowd was delighted with Bramwellio. Look at the chocolate puppet, they cried. He can dance without strings. And he smells like a Mars bar. This is the best puppet show ever. The ringmaster thought to himself, I can make a lot of money out of this chocolate puppet who can dance without strings. So when the dance finished, he grabbed Bramwellio and locked him in a cage. What are you doing? demanded Bramwellio. You have to let me go. My mother is expecting me home. I'm supposed to be at school. If you were supposed to be at school, you wouldn't be at the circus, said the ringmaster. I'm going to train you up and you'll be my next big circus star. But I don't want to be a circus star, wailed Bramwellio. I want to go home and eat all my mummy's chocolate. So he sat on the bottom of the cage and wept. Oh, this story is so sad, wailed Boris. I know, dear, said Nanny Piggins, but this is the bit where it starts to get magical. Just then, a magical fairy appeared. Why are you crying, little puppet? asked the fairy. I want to go home to my mummy, said Bramwellio, but I'm locked in this cage. And how did you come to be locked in the cage? asked the fairy. Shouldn't you be at school? Well, um, Bramwellio didn't like to admit what he had done, so he came up with an alternative story. I was abducted by aliens and they brought me here. But as soon as the words came out of his mouth, his nose grew. Whoop! Really, said the fairy. Bramwellio realised his nose was giving him away, so he changed his story. No, I mean, um, uh, I was hit on the head by a falling anvil, I got amnesia and I wandered here in a concussed haze, said Bramwellio. His nose grew even more. Do you want to try again? asked the fairy. Yes, of course. Now I remember I was walking to school when a giant eagle picked me up and flew towards its nest where it was going to feed me to its babies. But I bravely fought the eagle off using kung fu skills I'd learned from watching Bruce Lee movies. The eagle let go and I dropped out of the sky. Luckily, I fell on the big top. Then I bounced off and landed in this cage. Bramwellio's nose grew ten metres when he told this one. How about you tell me the truth, suggested the fairy. Bramwellio hung his head in shame. I threw my school books in a bush and came to the circus because it looked like fun. I thought so, said the fairy. I will help you this time, but next time you get into trouble, you will be on your own. You must try to be a good boy. Oh, yes, I promise I will, said Bramwellio. So the fairy released him from the cage, magically fetched his school books, and returned him home to Geppetto. Geppetto was so relieved to see her darling boy, she forgave him instantly. 
and the next morning, Bramwellio set out for school again. Now, you have to understand, Bramwellio wasn't evil. He fully intended to go to school, as Geppetto told him to. But Bramwellio was weak and spineless and immoral. So when, on the way to school, he met a boatman with a really shiny bright red boat, he stopped to read the boatman's sign. It said, Trips to Super Fun Island. Entirely free. Climb aboard. There were pictures of roller coasters and cotton candy and water slides and all the other things young children like. So Bramwellio climbed aboard the boat. Take me to Super Fun Island, please, said Bramwellio. Of course, said the boatman, and they set off straight away. But as soon as they left the harbour and sailed into bigger waves, Bramwellio felt the strangest things start to happen. He got seasick, guessed Michael. No, said Nanny Piggins. When your stomach is made of solid chocolate, you never feel sick. No, the strange thing was happening to his ears. They were growing long and hairy. Bramwellio reached up and felt them. He had donkey ears. What's going on? demanded Bramwellio. Why do I have donkey ears? I thought you were taking me to Super Fun Island. I am, said the boatman, but you won't be the one having super fun. The super fun will be had by all the tourists who will come to ride on you and the other donkeys. Everyone loves a donkey ride. But I don't want to be a donkey, wailed Bramwellio. Then you should have gone to school and got an education, said the boatman. You're a donkey now. But Bramwellio was not going along with that. He really, really didn't want to be a donkey. Walking was bad enough, but carrying someone else while you were walking was unthinkable. So he jumped over the side of the boat and into the sea to escape. Bramwellio started to swim back to the shore. It was hard work fighting his way through the waves and against the current. But eventually he could see the dock on the mainland. And there on the dock, he could see his mum, Geppetto, waving to him. Bramwellio, cried Geppetto. Is that you? Yes, it is me, mummy, called Bramwellio. Sorry, I got a bit lost on the way to school. His nose grew a foot when he said this. Whoop! Bramwellio, cried Geppetto. Watch out behind you. What, said Bramwellio. He turned to see a huge, terrifying beast speeding towards him through the sea. Not a shark, asked Michael. No, a whale, said Nanny Piggins. Don't you touch my boy, cried Geppetto. She leapt off the dock to save Bramwellio, but the huge whale was undeterred. It opened its huge mouth and swallowed them both whole. Hang about, said Derek. We studied whales at school. They don't eat people. They only eat microscopic krill, teeny tiny fish. Something as big as a human or a human-sized chocolate statue wouldn't fit down their throat. And would a whale be able to digest chocolate, asked Samantha. Oh, please, said Nanny Piggins. Of course it could. Just imagine it from the whale's perspective. If it had spent its whole life only eating one thing krill, microscopic fish that hadn't been cleaned or cooked, never once been served with tartar sauce or a squeeze of lemon, let alone a panko crumb batter, just raw, ungutted, teeny tiny fish and salt water all day. Of course it could eat a solid chocolate boy when it fell into the water in front of it. It was impossible to resist. So Geppetto and Bramwellio soon found themselves inside the whale's stomach. It was dark and smelly and horrible. Oh, father, said Bramwellio, I'm so sorry my foolishness has led us to this. No, Bramwellio, said Geppetto, I'm sorry. I tried to send you to school so you could learn and become a better person when I could have let you stay home and scoff chocolate all day. I accept your apology, said Bramwellio. Why don't we go home right now and do just that? Geppetto looked at her poor, simple-minded, solid chocolate son with sympathy. 
Because we can't, dear. We're inside the belly of a whale. Oh, I know that, said Bramwellio, but I will soon get us out. I may be useless and lazy and greedy and idle, but I am very good at irritating people. Just watch this. Bramwellio got to his feet and started dancing. My dear son, said Geppetto, is this really the time and place to be dancing? It's the best time and place, said Bramwellio, still dancing his jig. He even started singing. Dance, 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 whirl, 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 I'll hop on your tummy till you hurl. And that's just what the whale did. After five minutes of Bramwellio stomping about on its stomach, the whale became so seasick, he spewed Bramwellio and Geppetto out. They flew out of the whale's mouth and landed safely on a nearby beach. You did it, cried Geppetto. You saved us both. You're the best boy in the world. Yes, I am, said Bramwellio. His nose grew when he said this. Whoop! But having just escaped a near-death situation, Geppetto decided to overlook it just this once. So they lived happily ever after, asked Samantha. Yes, in reward for his bravery in irritating the whale, the fairy transformed Bramwellio into a real boy, said Nanny Piggins. And Geppetto had learned a lesson too. She learned to walk Bramwellio all the way to school herself, if she didn't want to spend every afternoon fishing his school books out of bushes. The end. Time for bed. And that's the end of the story. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. 